turn to the book of Revelation, the book of Revelation, Revelation chapter number 18. And I want to just give you something that the Lord has laid on my heart the last few weeks. And as Ms. Tammy and I were away for a few days, uh, here again, the Lord just really, really speaking. And so tonight is really not a message as much as it is as it is a lesson. Uh, This is a lot more like a lesson that I'm going to teach tonight rather than preach. And, uh, and so we, uh, we won't get through it tonight. I don't think we're going to get through this tonight. And so what we'll do is, Lord willing, we're going to pick it back up on Tuesday night. We're going to move our midweek service to Tuesday night this week because of the retreat. And so don't forget, we'll give you off tomorrow night and then Tuesday night. And we'll try to send out a church cast. But Tuesday night, we'll meet here at 7 o'clock for our midweek service and uh, we'll go a little further. I'm not positive we'll finish this on Tuesday night, but we'll, we'll just go as far as we can. And there's just a lot of good information that I want to give you. And I don't want to rush through it because it's just, it, it, it's uh, really, really too good to, uh, to try to rush through. And so I think, here's what I think is going to happen. And whether we finish it on Tuesday or whether we have to carry it on into next Sunday, several things I believe is going to happen. Number one, I believe that if you are lost it's going gonna, it's gonna to make you want to get saved. And, uh, and I would encourage you, if you have lost family members, do your best to get them back here on Tuesday night. Um, and, uh, and so if you're lost, I think it'll, it'll encourage you to get saved. If you're saved, I think what this is going to do, it's going to make you be thankful for your so great salvation. And uh, man, what a joy it is to, be, uh, is, is to be saved. And so... Anyway, let's look at it tonight. Revelation chapter 18 in your Bibles. When you find your place, let's stand tonight. And uh, I want to talk to you sort of about this subject tonight. Is Jesus coming soon? Now, we're not only going to talk about this, but we're going to be talking about uh, uh, quite a few other things as well. But we're going to just start here tonight. And, uh, well, I'm scared to death that I'm going to, I'm going to work through this and I'm, I'm not going to, and I'm going to leave you behind or you're not going to understand what I'm trying to give you. I'm going to really, I'm, I'm going to try to just sort of logic with you tonight from scripture. And, uh, anyway, anyway, let's just go ahead and get into it tonight. Look at revelation chapter 18 and verse number one, the Bible says, and after these things, John said, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon, the great is fallen, is fallen. And it's become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you and double under her double according to her works in the cup which she hath filled, fill to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. Therefore shall her plagues come in one day, death and mourning and famine 
and she shall be utterly burned with fire, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Now, we're going to be going further than that, but I want to just read those first, um, first eight verses or so just to sort of give you some context of what we're going to be talking about tonight. You may be seated. Some of you are thinking, man, I remember this scripture. It seems familiar. And the reason it seems familiar is because evangelist Dave Kistler touched on some of these things the other, other night when he was with us in our I Love America revival. He was a little bit more in Revelation chapter 17, I think, than Revelation 18. But I was, uh, uh, a couple of weeks ago, we preached on the mind. And one of the things that I brought out in that message was be sure that you're filling your mind with the right kind of music and the right kind of podcast and preaching and teaching. And uh, well, anytime that I'm not able to double task, uh, I've usually got something playing. I've either got some music playing or I've got some teaching playing. And, uh, and so the other day when I'm getting ready, I'm usually playing something. And so the other day I was, uh, I was getting ready for something to go visit or uh, maybe it was a church service. I can't remember what it was, but I was in my restroom and I was getting ready to shave and I had a podcast playing on my phone. I just had my phone laying there on the, on the vanity and the preacher was teaching on something and he mentioned something. And as soon as he mentioned this, man, God began to, God began to work in my heart and I thought, oh my word. And so I, I began to, uh, as soon as I got done shaving, I started making some notations and, and just, and the Lord has sort of developed that into a message. And so I'm going to talk to you about, uh, about this subject is Jesus coming soon. And then we're going to, we're going to move from that into this. What is earth going to be like during the tribulation period. Now, you've heard some of that, and we've taught on some of that through the years. But we're going to use Revelation chapter 18 to teach those things. And so uh, I, hope that, I hope that you'll be here. Let's go to the Lord, and then we're going to teach tonight. So you're going to have to really hang on tight as we just try to give you a lesson tonight. And so let's go to the Lord and ask God to help us tonight. Father, thank you for your blessings. And Lord, we appreciate the wonderful, wonderful day that you've given us at Calvary. God, the music's been incredible. <clears throat> the fellowship's been so encouraging. Lord, the spirit has been electric today. <clears throat> it's been a great day. And we thank you for all that you've done. Now, Lord, as we try to close up this Sunday with a few moments of teaching, Father, I pray that you'll, that you'll knit our hearts together and I pray, Heavenly Father, that we'll learn something. And, I, and Lord, this is my fear. My fear is that I won't teach this in such a way that the people will understand it. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help me to teach it in the way that you've given it to me because it made so much sense to me. And I want it to make sense to your people. And so, Holy Spirit, help us tonight. I pray, Father, the best that we know how. We plead the blood of Jesus over this service, over this people, Father, I pray that you might bind the powers of darkness and God keep them away from this place. And Lord, I pray that you'd keep your blessings within. And Father, even right now, help us to be thirsty after righteousness and help us to be hungry to learn more of your word. And I pray that you'll touch us and teach us tonight. Lord, may Jesus receive all the glory from it. And we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake, and all God's people said, amen. Revelation chapter 17 and Revelation chapter 18 refers to a system toward the end of the tribulation period referred to as the great Babylon. 
the great Babylon. Now, some have suggested, and I'm going to be honest with you, I, 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 I'm leaning that direction myself, but some have suggested that the scriptures actually refer to three separate Babylons. Jeremiah chapter 50 speaks of something known as historic Babylon. Revelation chapter 17 speaks of what's known as the religious Babylon. And then Revelation chapter 18 speaks or points to what would be known as a commercial Babylon the Great. Now again, stay with me and I'll promise you this, I think this will all come together and it'll make sense here in just a little bit. And so three separate Babylons and that quite possibly religious Babylon and commercial Babylon are two different things altogether. Many believe that Rome will fill the position of religious Babylon. And I do believe this tonight. I believe that there is some evidence to prove that religious Babylon is definitely not America. Now, the other night, uh, 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 Brother Kistler preached an incredible message. And, I, and by the way, I, boy, I, I believe he, he, he gave us a lot of truth. And I, I believe it was helpful and I believe it challenged us. And, uh, but I do believe this. I believe that more than likely uh, Rome Maybe that religious Babylon that's mentioned in the Word of God and not America. And I'll tell you why it's not America. Because whoever this religious Babylon is, is considered what the Bible calls the mother of harlots. Look, if you will, at Revelation chapter 17. You're in Revelation 18. Turn back a page and look at Revelation chapter 17 and look at verse number three. And the Bible talks about this religious Babylon. Revelation 17, verse three, the Bible says, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and 10 horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was a name written, mystery Babylon the Great, look at this, the mother of harlots and abomination of the earth. And so whoever this religious Babylon is has been around for a while. It's been around for a long time. The, the Bible refers to her as a mother. Now, I'm gonna be honest, I don't really know that America could, uh, uh, could answer to that because America is rel a relatively young nation. Only 246 years we've been around. I mean, we're just a... Uh, very young, and it's really amazing what God has done in America in just 246 years. And so I'm not sure that America could be labeled as a mother in, uh, in biblical prophecy. If this be the case, then maybe the religious Babylon is Rome. While it's at least possible that the commercial Babylon is America. Now again, we're not gonna debate over that. And uh, Brother Kistler pay tribute to that, and, and if you didn't agree with that, it's okay. It was still a great message, and it challenged us, and I don't want you to get hung up on, on that uh, tonight because there's too many other good things in the message that I want to give you, but there are several things that we know about this commercial Babylon. I'm not talking as much about the religious system. I'm talking more about the commercial system tonight. Number one, we notice this, that she's very smug in her attitude. Whoever this nation is, Whoever this system is that the Bible's talking about, this commercial Babylon the Great is very smug in her attitude. What are you talking about, preacher? Well, look at Revelation chapter 18 and notice verse number seven. And this is what she says. How much she has glorified herself 
and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her. Look what this, look what the Bible says. For she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and shall see no sorrow. In other words, whatever, whatever nation this is, whoever this, this great Babylon is, uh, has a, a smug attitude. In other words, she says, you know what? Nothing, nothing bad's ever gonna happen to us. I mean, we're powerful. Maybe we're the most powerful nation in the world and nobody can hurt us. Nobody can harm us. And so she's very smug in her attitude. And I'm gonna be honest with you. If we've seen this week, uh, we've seen just how quick things can change. Even in a powerful nation, even in a strong nation. I don't care how strong your government is and I don't care how strong your economy is. If God decides to let the ocean loose, we don't have a prayer. The Bible says the Lord hath his way in the whirlwind and the clouds are the dust of his feet. But this great Babylon that we're talking about tonight is very smug in her attitude, but something else. And more importantly, and this is really the message tonight, whoever this commercial Babylon is, is a great place of industry and a great place of luxury and it's a large producer of sea commerce. Now look in your Bibles, if you will, at Revelation 18 and verse 11. We didn't read these verses earlier, but I wanna read them now. Look at Revelation 18, verse number 11, about this great Babylon. Whoever it is, notice what the Bible says about this great Babylon. In verse 11, and the merchants of earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones, and of pearls, and fine linen, and purple, and silk, and scarlet, and all fine wood, and all manner vessels of ivory, and all manner vessels of most precious wood, and of brass, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odors, and ointments, and frankincense, and wine. You see, the Bible's just going on and on here. And oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beasts, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and souls of men. Now, again, the Bible's painting a picture here. And what the Bible is telling us about this great Babylon, whoever this great Babylon is, is this great Babylon is, is, a, is a place of great commerce. It's a place that that knows absolute sheer luxury. Skip down the same chapter, if you will, Revelation chapter 18. And look at verse number 17. About this great Babylon, the Bible says in verse 17, for in one hour, notice this phrase, so great riches is come to naught. And so this great Babylon is just filthy rich. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors and as many as trade by sea stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto this great city? Now, I know there are some scholars who say, well, that's not really a city. And, and you know, here again, that's not something we're going to debate about. But the Bible does, the Bible does uh, refer to this great Babylon as a city. Uh, could this be referring to a literal city? I believe it could. And look what the Bible says in verse 19. And they cast dust on their heads and cried, weeping and wailing, saying, alas, alas, that great city, look at this phrase, wherein were made rich 
all that had ships in the sea by reason of her costliness for in one hour is she made desolate. Now church, hang with me because I promise you we're going to a common destination here and I believe this is gonna make sense when we get there. Now, whatever, whoever this great Babylon is, whatever nation, whatever system it is, is a great system of commerce. Not only a great system of commerce, but it's absolutely luxurious, incredibly luxurious, and also evidently has a, a, a big part to do with, uh, with trade by sea. Now, this week I learned, I began to think about uh, seaports. And, I, and so I started studying that out, and I came to find this out, that the largest seaport operation in the world is actually located, and this shocked me just a little bit, but it's actually located in Shanghai, China. Shanghai, China. But I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm not sure if China would fit the bill for luxurious living. Now, some people do. The leaders most certainly live luxuriously. But a lot of the people in China are not living luxuriously. But I also learned this. The port of Los Angeles is the largest port in North America. The whole complex covers 18 miles and stretches over 43 miles of the coastline. It was created in 1907. The port has 270 quays or berths and 27 terminals. It's the largest port in the United States in terms of container traffic amounting to about 9.7 million. What's really interesting about the port of Los Angeles is that just 18 miles down the coastline is the second largest seaport in America, and that's Long Beach, California. And so here are two major seaports that are almost side by side that take up great amounts of space and commerce. I learned something else. How about the East Coast? The port of New York and New Jersey encloses the entire coastal area of the New York Harbor. This facility spreads over an area of 25 miles and is the largest natural harbor globally. That's interesting. It has a direct access through the Atlantic with a channel service of 640 miles leading to the complex. The expansion of 1609 is the pivotal point and leading factor of the increase in incoming traffic for the port. However, the main boom started from the year 1910, ranking it, New York, ranking it as the busiest global port, a net annual turnover of $5.5 billion. Makes it one of the most profitable ports in the USA. Now, again, you say, preacher, are you trying to say that this commercial Babylon is in America? I have no idea. And we won't, we won't debate over exactly who this commercial Babylon is, but we do know this. It's a, it is a system of great commerce. We know that, it's a, that it's a, it is a nation or a city or a system that is incredibly luxurious. And we also know evidently by what we read in scripture today that it is it's vast in its sea commerce. This is not a small, unknown country. This great Babylon is not a small, unknown country. You say, preacher, what does this have to do with me? Hang in there, hang in there. This is not some small, unknown little country that I'm talking about. This is a system, whatever this system is, this is a system that has absolute global effect according to the word of God. 
I read this this week as well. According to World Data Info, the USA with a GDP of $23 trillion is by far the world's largest economy. Now, again, I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not trying to say that, that America's the great Babylon. I'm just saying this, that whoever, whatever nation this is, is, is a great nation of commerce, a great system of commerce. It's a, a very luxurious, whatever it is, very luxurious. And you say, preach, I don't, you know, I don't agree with that. That's fine, but I want you to hang in there with me because Revelation 18 teaches us several things, and we're probably only going to get through one of these tonight. But number one, Revelation 18 shows us this. It provides evidence of a soon-coming Savior. Now, you say, preacher, I've read that. I've read Revelation 18 before. I don't see that. Well, hang in there with me. It provides evidence of a soon-coming Savior. And I want to try to explain that for you tonight. There is a concerted effort for communistic countries to hold on to what they have. I'm talking about countries like China and Korea, North Korea, countries like Cuba and Vietnam. And in those communistic countries, there's an effort to keep their people totally dependent upon the government, to keep them oppressed. For instance, this week, if you've watched the news, which I know you ought to limit your news consumption, but if you've watched the news, you've watched this week as Iran has been in the news in a big way. Listen to this article. The, uh, ongoing, on the ongoing protest in Iran. The family of a young woman who died in Iran after she was accused of a dress code violation and arrested by the country's, quote, morality police have told CBS News that she was tortured and killed in police custody. Masa Amini's death sparked protests that have raged across Iran for 11 days against the country's ruling Muslim clerics with more than 75 people killed in the unrest, according to one monitoring group. Iranian authorities say she died of a heart attack, but her father says she was beaten to death by the morality police, the enforcers of Iran's strict interpretation of, of Islamic dress code. Did you know what this young lady, you know the crime that this young lady committed? Her head covering was reportedly too loose. And because of that, she lost her life. Now, again, communistic. Those communistic countries are trying to keep their people under that bond, under that oppression. If you've watched the news this week, you've noticed that not only Iran, but Russia has been in the news in a big way. Uh, and it went on to say this, the more than 2,300 Russians have been arrested in dozens of cities this week while protesting the conscription of 300,000 men for Russia's invasion of Ukraine. In other words, now they're just going and gathering up men off the streets and they're taking them to fight in this battle with Ukraine. And many of these men are older men and some of these men have had no formal military training. Uh, and because of that, they are protesting in Russia and Russia is, is putting these protesters down and putting them in jail. Now, I just said all that to say this, that communists do what communists are. And so communists do what communists are, but I'm going somewhere. But for those countries that are not communistic, like America, aren't you glad that we live in a nation that's not communistic? Aren't you glad that we live in a free nation? 
Boy, thank God we're able to, to do the Pledge of Allegiance of the American flag. And thank God we're able to, to carry our Bibles into the house of God. And we're able to raise our families in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so we understand that there's always going to be some of those communistic countries that are doing what, what communistic countries, are, what they do. But for those countries that are not communistic like America, how many know that I'm telling you the truth tonight that there is a concerted effort in America to promote something called socialism right now it's going on socialism several years ago I had the opportunity I was at at a a, a business and and a a gentleman came in and very nice fellas uh, Hispanic Hispanic origin and uh, he was talking and we struck up a conversation and he could speak good English but he had an accent pretty good accent and he was an older man he was probably uh, probably in his 70s, I would say. And we began to talk a little bit. And I said, well, where are you from? And he, he told me that he and his family were from Cuba. In fact, he went on to tell me that, that they had escaped uh, when Fidel Castro came into power and uh, that communistic government began to take over the country of Cuba. He and his family somehow were able to escape and come to America. And they came here for, the, for a piece of the American dream. And sure enough, they got it. Man, they, they came here and they uh, obtained their citizenship like you're supposed to. And they got jobs and they uh, were able to make some money. And they sent their uh, daughter to college, to the university. And she became a, universe, a university professor. And boy, he was just so proud of her. And, 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 he was, and, I, and I told him, I said, tell me, tell me about it. I want to I hear about it. And, and he began to tell me about Cuba and begin to tell me about their escape and how they were able to get out of the country and all that. And I was just listening intently to this older man. I was listening to him. And then I'll never forget, he said this with a concerned look on his face. He said this, he said, I'm getting very concerned. And he said it in broken English, but he said, I'm getting very concerned about America. And I said, why? And he said, because America is doing now what Cuba started doing before the communistic government began to take over. Socialism is being promoted little by little. Capitalism, a capitalist society is being portrayed as wrong and selfish and egotistical and greedy. And more and more we're being told that we're supposed to share the wealth. Now I know you said, preacher, you're, you're preaching politics. I'm not preaching politics. I'm preaching truth tonight. But we have people that are, that, are, that are teaching our young people in our schools now, our public schools and our college campuses that, you know what, we're just supposed to, to, to share the wealth. And I want to say tonight, the only problem with that is this. They want some to do all the work and some to do all the sharing. When others won't hit a lick. And my Bible says that if you won't, if you won't work, Neither should you eat. Now, I understand. We have military men that come back with, with fewer limbs than they went to, to fight with and, and, uh, and are, are minus two legs or minus an arm or whatever the case may be. And I think, I think, as far as I'm concerned, we ought to take care of them the rest of their life and we ought to meet every need that they and their family have. I'm not against taking care of our older folks that, that need help and need, uh, need uh, sustaining, but I'm telling you, I'm 
not in it for uh, supporting this guy that wants to lay in the bed all day and don't want to hit, hit a lick and do anything. And uh, no, listen to me now. I'm telling you that this socialism, this socialistic government won't work. And yet it's being promoted. It's being promoted on our college campuses, our universities. Socialism is being promoted and hailed as something great on television. It's the answer. Socialism is the savior. That's what they're, that's what they're telling our young people. And y'all know what I'm telling you is the truth tonight. Socialism is being embraced by more and more of our politicians. Listen to this. In a recent political article, it said this. In November 2020, both Rashida Tlaib and Ocasio-Cortez handily won re-election and have been joined in the 117th Congress by two more DSA members, Corey Bush from Missouri's 1st District and Jamal Bowman from New York's 16th District. That raises the Democratic Socialist numbers from two to four out of 435. At this rate, doubling the Socialist delegation every two years, it would only take six more elections before socialists in 2032 would become a majority in the House. Are y'all listening to me? 2032, that's not very far away. The Democratic Socialist of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States. You say, preacher, what does this have to do with anything? Stay with me. The Democratic Socialists of America is the largest socialist organization in the United States with over 92,000 members and chapters in all 50 states in America. We believe that working people should run both the economy and society democratically, yeah, right, to meet human needs and not to make profits for a few. Bernie Sanders launched a political revolution and DSA continues to build it training our chapters to effectively support democratic socialist candidates running for local and state office while lifting up our key issues. This is what they say. Capitalism pits us against each other and workplaces are fundamentally authoritarian unless workers can self-organize and build collective power. The DSA National Political Committee condemns today's Supreme Court ruling in Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, which eviscerates the right to privacy and bodily autonomy protected by Roe versus Wade for nearly 50 years, a right the vast majority of Americans support and agree should be protected by the Constitution. The, this is what they say, by the way, not us. The far right wing of the Supreme Court, most of whom were appointed by a president who lost the popular vote, has demonstrated beyond all debate that the court is an illegitimate institution. That's what socialists say. So just in case you're ever tempted to vote for a socialist, I'm telling you that you better be so careful about that. This is a recent article by CBS. The DSA, the Democratic Socialist of America, does not believe, does not believe private enterprise should be immediately overthrown. Which means they do believe that it should eventually be overthrown. Bernie Sanders, meanwhile, also advocates for democratic socialism. 
He's advocated for universal free, free health care, canceling all student debt, and expanding social security benefits with America's free market economy. In other words, let's just give everybody everything free. And church, I'm telling you, somebody somewhere has got to pay for it. Now, again, you say, Pastor, I've never heard you get political like this, and I'm not really getting political. But I want to make a point. That socialism is being promoted while capitalism is being pulverized in the eyes of our young people. Now, by the way, this is a lesson, not a message. This is a lesson. How many would believe that what I just told you is the truth? I mean, I'm telling you, you don't have to, you don't have to take my word for it, just watch the news. I mean, uh, our young people are being taught that the society that we're living in, it's not right, it's greedy, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's not good that we need to become a socialistic nation. Now, here's the thing. If that's true, and I believe it is, that means, that means that we could be on the brink of the Lord's return. Now you say, preacher, how is that? Well, we read it tonight. Because when the tribulation unfolds and the great Babylon, possibly America, I don't know. But when the tribulation unfolds and the great Babylon is judged, it is still very much a capitalist system. Look at it back in your Bibles again. Look at Revelation 18, verse 11, about this great Babylon, this commercial Babylon. Verse 11, and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. The merchandise of gold and silver and precious stones and of pearls and fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and fine wood, uh, all manner of vessels of ivory, manner of vessels of precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine and oil and fine flour and wheat and beasts and sheep and horses and chariots. And the Bible just goes on and on and on. I'm telling you, church, this is not talking about some poor socialistic enterprise. This is talking about a nation, a system that is living in absolute sheer luxury when it's judged. Skip down to verse 15. Revelation 8, verse 15. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing and saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in what? Clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Ask a question, does that sound to you like India? Doesn't sound like India to me. If you were to go some places in India today, you'd find people that just live in little shanties of a house. Doesn't sound like Nigeria to me. Doesn't sound like Sudan to me. You know what it sounds like? It sounds like America to me. Now, I'm not saying it is. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm just saying that, that listen, whoever this nation is, is a rich nation. It's a, it's a smug nation. It's a nation that's arrogant. It's a nation that's rich. It's a nation that, that, that is, uh, that's arrogant. In fact, look if you look at verse number 19. The Bible says, and they cast dust on their heads and cried weeping and wailing, saying, Alas, alas, that great city wherein were made rich all that had ships in the sea. Look at this little phrase. By reason of her costliness. 
for in one hour she is made desolate. Now you say, preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying that if this is true, and it is true, folks, we could be right on the precipice of Jesus coming again. They said, Pastor, I'm not following you. Okay, let me see if I can help you tonight. Rodney, can I use you just for a minute? Come over here if you will. We're gonna let Brother Rodney, we're gonna let Brother Rodney represent the great Babylon, the commercial Babylon. Rich, luxurious, uh, costly, filthy rich. This, whatever this system, this nation is, filthy, filthy rich. This right here, Donnie, can I use you just for a minute? This right here is the, we'll let this, this space right here represent seven years of tribulation. Seven years of tribulation. We'll let Brother Donnie represent present day. And present day, right now, 2022, we have groups all across America. They're doing their best to try to promote socialism and a socialistic government. And they're trying to, to, to pull down capitalism. And they're trying to make capitalism seem like it's a, it's a bad thing and it's a greedy thing. And we've got to do away with that. And we've got to become like the other nations of the world, even though they're falling apart. We've got to become like those other, no, other nations in the world. Now, wait a minute now. If that's going on right now, and then toward the end of the tribulation, this great Babylon, whoever it is, when God finally judges this great nation, this nation is still a capitalistic system. You know what that means, church? That means there's something that happens between this and this. You know what it is? It is the rapture of the church. And so somebody says, preacher, I'm scared to death that we're gonna be pulled into this socialistic government. I'm not telling you it's not gonna happen. I'm just telling you this. That according to your, your Bible, when God judges this great Babylon toward the end of the tribulation period, that great Babylon is still, still gonna be rich, luxurious, full of commerce, in fact, when God finally judges her, boy, they're going to say, oh, my goodness, where are we going to make all our money at now? Thank you, fellas. I appreciate it. Now, again, this is all I'm saying. I'm not setting any dates. I don't know. I don't know when the Lord's coming. I don't know the day's coming. I don't know the hour's coming. But I know this, Calvary. He's coming. Amen. He's coming. And, and listen to what Jesus said. You don't have to turn there. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 16 and verse number three. Jesus said, oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? And so it would at least appear that we may be very, very close. A mom and her little girl had lost, well, the, the wife lost her husband and of course, the little girl lost her daddy. And uh, they were having the funeral and the uh, mama was trying to just help the little girl compress everything that was going on. And she said, uh, and the little girl was just heartbroken because daddy was gone. And she said to her little girl, she said, honey, she said, God called your daddy. That's why daddy's gone. She said, God called your daddy. God called your daddy home. And she said, honey, I want you to know something. She said, God's going to call us home. She said, we just don't know when, but God is going to do the same thing. God's going to call us home. And the little girl got a look on her face, and she said, Mommy, 
if God's going to call us home and we don't know when, don't you think we better pack? Hey, Calvary, I want to tell you something. You better get packed. You better get packed. Because I don't believe, I really don't, I don't believe it's going to be long before we're going to hear the trumpet sound. And I believe Jesus is going to come. How many of you watched some of the footage about the queen? Did y'all see some of that as the queen passed away and they were having some of the funerals and the services and all that? My wife, we, we watched some of that. And as they were going back in England's history and they were showing some of the other leaders uh, in Great Britain, um, uh, they, uh, good night, I lost, I, lost my, I lost my train of thought here. Winston Churchill, yeah, Winston Churchill. And they showed Winston Churchill. And anyway, I thought about, I thought about that story. Winston Churchill, when he, was, when he died, he had previously set up his funeral arrangements and, and he said, as you bring me into the chapel, he said, I want there to be a bugler. And he put a bugler way up there into the dome. And he said, as they bring my body into the funeral, he said, I want that bugler to start playing taps, which means my physical body is gone. And so sure enough, that day as they brought in that great leader, Winston Churchill, that bugler was way up in that dome and he began to play taps. And of course, everybody was just, you know, was mesmerized by him playing what they didn't know is that Winston Churchill had also asked for another bugler to be put in the other tower. And as soon as this bugler finished playing taps, he said, I want the other bugler to play Reveille, which means it's time to get up. And Calvary Baptist Church, I want to tell you something. I believe Reveille is about to play. We're about to go home. And if we've ever lived, you know what I prayed this week? I prayed, I said, Lord, help me to make a difference for the cause of Christ. Man, I don't know about y'all. I don't want to just go through the motions. Man, I want to make a difference. I don't want to just say we've got a church. I want to make a difference. Man, I want Calvary Baptist Church to make a difference. I want us to make an impact. Why? Because I believe beyond a shadow of it, our time is short. And we learn, I believe this, I believe we learn. In Revelation chapter 18, we learn that the coming of the Lord is soon. But I'll tell you something else. We're gonna give you this on Tuesday. I believe Revelation chapter 18 provides examples of what life is gonna be like during the tribulation. What's gonna happen for those folks who are left behind, those folks who have never trusted Jesus as Savior, what's it gonna be like? What's it gonna be like? Revelation chapter 18 gives us a wonderful view and what the earth is gonna be like during the tribulation. You don't wanna miss it. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, thank you for this time we've had together. Lord, I believe this. I believe your coming is imminent. I believe it's soon. Lord, I believe that we're, I believe we're seeing the signs. God, I believe that the stage is being set. Lord, we're seeing things happen now that Lord, many of our forefathers never saw happen in the past. Lord, I believe your coming is nigh. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to be ready. Lord, maybe there's somebody in this service tonight that was in the service this morning. Lord, they should have made a move and they didn't move. But tonight, thank God, they've got another opportunity. 
And Father, I pray that you'd help them to come. Lord, if there's one here this evening that doesn't know for sure that they're saved and gonna live forever in heaven, God, help them to realize that Jesus is coming. And I pray tonight they'll give their heart and life to Jesus. Father, many came this morning to pray for their loved ones. Father, maybe tonight we know of loved ones that are lost and undone without Christ, living away from the the will of God. And Father, if the trumpet were to sound tonight, they'd be left behind. Father, I pray you'd give us a burden to be soul winners. Give us a burden, Father, to reach our loved ones, to reach our world, our community, our neighborhood. Oh God, help us to be an evangelistic church. Father, have your way in this invitation tonight, please. And we sure thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Just a question or two. How many are here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond any shadow of a doubt, I know that I know that I know that I am saved and on my way to heaven. Boy, I know it, I know it. And if that's you, just slip your hand up right now all over the house. Man, just use it to praise the Lord. Man, what a joy. You can lower your hands. Let me ask you this, without anybody looking. How many are here tonight would say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm gonna be honest, I am not sure of heaven. Preacher, if Jesus came tonight, if I didn't make it back Tuesday, if if Jesus came tonight, Pastor, I am not sure about heaven. And I want you to pray for me. Who's like that here tonight? Can I pray for you before we go? You just slip your hand up. Just slip it up and wave it at me tonight. Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. God bless you. I see your hand. Thank you. Who else? Who else tonight? Preacher, if I died this evening, I'm not sure of heaven. Pastor, don't get me wrong. I want to go. I'm just not sure I would. And I want you to pray for me. Is there another anywhere tonight? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? Come on. Just slip your hand up. Let me pray for you this evening. How many are here this evening? Say, preacher, I am saved. I've already raised my hand about that. But if the Lord did come tonight, I'm not sure I'm really ready to meet him. Oh, I'm saved but I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure I'd be ready to stand before him with heads bowed and eyes closed. If that's you, very quietly, we just slip your hand up tonight and say, Pastor, pray for me, pray for me. I'm not sure I'd be ready. Amen, amen. Would you do me a favor? Would you stand with us all over the house while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed? I'm gonna ask our personal workers to very quietly make their way to the front And I'm thankful for those that have raised their hands. Oh, listen, whatever you do, let go. Let God have his way tonight. I hope you'll do it. Church, I'm telling you, I don't, listen, the more you learn, the more you learn, you don't know. But I believe the stage is being set. And I believe with all my heart that we are at the brink of the Lord's coming. Whatever you do, friend, don't you miss it. Don't you miss it. Don't you miss it. So, Father, thank you for teaching us tonight. Thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for all the hands that were raised tonight around the house. Father, I pray that you would work in every heart, every life. And then, Lord, I pray especially 
for these that have raised their hands and said, Lord, that they're just not sure of heaven. Father, I pray tonight on this October the 2nd, 2022, God, I pray they'd let go and let God have his way. Father, tonight, give them faith. And I pray they'd come and let us show them how they could be saved. Lord, Lord, would you do that? Would you do that? God, give them courage right now and faith right now, please. And Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our heads are bowed. If you're here tonight, we have what we call personal workers up here in the front. They have a Bible in their hand. And they just, here's what they're here for. They're here to pray with you. If you have a need, if you have a burden, but especially if you're here tonight and you say, Pastor, I'm not sure of heaven. Listen, I want you to come. And we want to just take the Bible and show you from the Bible how you can be saved. We're not going to make you give a speech. We're not going to make you do anything like that. Nothing, nothing like that. We just like to take the Bible and show you how to be born again. And so with heads bowed and eyes closed, if right now God's speaking to your heart, would you just step out right now? If you raise your hand, if you raise your hand, would you just step out and come? Just come on. You know what I, I tell our people all the time? If you'll take the first step, God will help you with the second one. Amen. That's right. Yes. Amen. Is there somebody else tonight? If you'll take the first step, God will help you with the second one. Is there somebody else that needs to come? Would you come? Would you come? Father, thank you for your blessings. Lord, what a day it's been. Lord, it seems like this would be a good day to go to heaven. Thank you, Lord, for how you've met with us today. It's been a special day. And Father, thank you that even tonight, you're continuing to deal with hearts. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would do your perfect work right now. And Father, I pray that nobody would leave this place not knowing for sure that they're on their way to heaven. Help us to leave knowing we're in the will of God and ready to meet the Savior, for it might be It might be today. God, have your way in this invitation. Speak to hearts, please, and we thank you. In Jesus' name, heads are bowed just for another moment or so. I'm gonna make my way to the main floor as well. And if you're here tonight, you say, Pastor, I just need prayer. I just need somebody to pray with us. Hey, we're gonna be here just for a moment. Folks are getting some help. And so if we can help you, if we can pray with you tonight, You just come on. If you have a burden and you just need somebody to pray, you come. While we wait, while Brother Abel plays, you come tonight.
church. You can look up this way. Well, I think this is a fitting song for us to sing tonight. Amen. You say, preacher, what about this tribulation? What about all these things that are gonna happen in the tribulation? Well, I got good news for you. If you're here tonight and you're born again, thank God you don't have to worry about it. Amen. And God's gonna, God's gonna deliver his own. God's gonna deliver his children. And so we thank the Lord for that. We're gonna sing this little chorus that says, I can trust Jesus. And so you sing it with all your might tonight as we worship the Lord, all right? Amen. Let's sing it together, ready? I can trust Jesus. Sing it, church. I can trust Jesus. He never once has failed to meet my need. That's right. Sing it, church. He is my strong tower. In my weakest hour, I can trust Jesus. He takes care. 